Good morning. I got quiet real quick. How's everybody this morning? <laughs> One person's doing well. Good to hear. We're glad everybody's here today. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We're glad that you are here and that you've chosen to worship with us. This coming Wednesday, during our prayer meeting time at 6 o'clock, Pastor Keith, as well as Melvin and Joanne Lutz, will be in our prayer meeting time to share about their trip this, uh, this past fall uh, to Guatemala. And so if you can be here this Wednesday at 6, we encourage you to be here for this special prayer meeting time. One final thank you uh, Ellen wanted to give and, and I wanted to give this morning. Crest Middle School, the Crest Middle School students have been doing a canned food drive for a while now. And Crest Middle School has raised 1,200 cans of food for our food pantry. And so our church wants to offer our sincerest thank you to Crest Middle School and for the community as we have raised these cans for our food pantry. It is much appreciated and much needed. We are glad that you are here with us today. We pray that you would prepare your hearts to worship our Lord this morning. Our hymn is number 579, Shine, Jesus, Shine, 579. If you would, please stand and join me in singing 579.
Amen. What a great way to start worship here this morning at Bowling Springs Baptist. We are so glad that you are here today and you are here on a very special Sunday, a day that we kick off our missions emphasis and this will continue throughout December as we move into Advent and you are encouraged to participate both through your prayers and your giving at any time during the month. And our end gathering will officially be on Christmas Eve this year, December the 24th, so please be mindful of that. And continue, uh, continuing on with our spirit of missions, this coming Wednesday at both 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., Melvin and Joanne Lutz and myself will be sharing about our recent trip to Guatemala. And so try to come either at 11 o'clock on Wednesday in the Kerygma Room or at 6 p.m. for our prayer time this Wednesday. I believe our youth and children will also be in there. And so we look forward to sharing with you about our recent trip in October there to Guatemala. Let me, be, let me remind you of a passage in 2 Corinthians. It's been on my heart this week as we have prepared for uh, this Sunday, but, um, well, thought I had it marked. 2 Corinthians 5, it speaks of the fact that we have been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus, and therefore we are ambassadors. Let me read beginning at verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us, to you and to me, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We are messengers for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is why we give, this is why we pray, and this is why we go, so that others may be reconciled. God. Will you join me in prayer this morning? God, we are grateful for another opportunity to gather as your people in your house. Lord, we've had a hopefully a good week with family and and, um, other activities where we remember, where we reflect and celebrate your goodness towards us. As we transition and move into a new season of of the year with Advent, Father, we pray that you would prepare our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. Lord, we do pray that you would inspire us today as we reflect on those throughout our world who need a relationship with you. God, stir our hearts and move us. Move us to action. Move us to give. Move us to pray. And move us to be on mission, both here in Boiling Springs, and support or go, if called, around the world. Lord, we love you. We pray for our missionaries who are here at home and overseas at this hour. We do pray for their protection. We pray for their provision, and we pray for fruitful fruitful ministries. God bless this service today, each word spoken, prayer prayed, and song sung. Father, we pray that it would all bring glory and honor to your name, the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 583, O Zion Haste, number 583. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing 583.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day of life, for the many blessings you shower upon us. Yet I acknowledge that we live in a world where millions of people face overwhelming needs. Yet we so often are a people who want and want and want for ourselves, forgetting the needs of those around this world. I ask for your forgiveness in that. And implicit in asking for your forgiveness is the acknowledgement that we, we should change, that we should be open to all, and that we should care for all. Bless this congregation and bless us as individuals that we may become the servants you would have us to be. These things I ask in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you so much, Lindy. What a powerful song. We're mixing things up a little bit. It says choir singing, but they will sing uh, after we read scripture, or after I read scripture. We read it together. How about that? But Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, this passage this morning has a little bit of a sting coming in after a nice, warm-hearted Thanksgiving season and moving into Christmas. Uh, This passage wakes us up a little bit if we have not uh, done that already this morning. Matthew 25, and I'll be reading uh, what you see on your screen this morning from the NRSV. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me and I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when... When was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, your translations may say brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly I tell you, just as you did it, excuse me, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did it, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May God add his blessing to the reading, preaching of his word this morning.
Amen. Thank you, choir. Bowling Springs Baptist Church has a long history of placing great significance on missions. As you can see this today, this, didn't, this wasn't the first time that we've done this today. Many of you welcome this time right after Thanksgiving when we do the parade of flags and we begin to kick off our missions emphasis. But my hope and prayer for Bowling Springs Baptist Church is that our missions emphasis will go even stronger in the coming months and in the coming years. We are called to participate this month, and not just this month, but throughout the year in three ways to missions. One is to pray that God would be, uh, provi- that he would provide, that he would be a God of provision for our missionaries overseas, that he would be a God that would protect them, and that, uh, that these missionaries would have fruitful ministries. Wherever they are, some are in very dangerous places at this hour. And so we pray for their provision, their protection, and, their, um, and fruit from their ministries. But we also support missions, and this has been uh, something that Bowling Springs continues to do. We support both through our offerings, which, like I said, the end gathering will be Christmas Eve, but you are encouraged to give throughout this month. But we support in other practical ways as well, through designating line items in our budget that goes directly to meet specific needs uh, with missionaries that we support and know. But we are also called as Christians to be on mission Christians, whether that's here in Boiling Springs or whether that's in our state, in our nation, or around the world. We are called to pray, we are called to support, and we are called to go, both to our places of work and both in our communities, again, and around the world. I read 2 Corinthians 5 there earlier that reminds us that we are reconciled to God, and as a result of that, we are now now therefore called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and leading others to be reconciled to him as well. On the front of your bulletin this morning, you see the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is a message that missionaries need to be not only they're challenged by, but they're also encouraged by as well, because many of them feel very lonely at times, and they need to be reminded of those words of Jesus and Matthew that I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This morning, before we go into our text, I want to take uh, several minutes and mention some names and faces of missionaries whom we support, and many of you know. Tomorrow, some of you will have the opportunity to work with one of our missionaries that's supported through the CBF Global Missions Offering. The CBF Global Missions Offering supports those both here at home and those around the world as a part of one offering. But uh, we may have the slide up there, the first slide. But Cecilia Beck is the one on the bottom left. She is a missionary in northeastern part of Shelby. Uh, The Department of Justice several years ago, back in 2005, I believe it was, several years ago, named this a weed and seed community for this area of Shelby. And what they mean is uh, the neighbor, let's see here, the meaning in order to weed out violence, officials say the area should be seeded for growth. Life in this neighborhood of Shelby is rough. There's about a thousand residents and they've experienced high rates of crime and violence. There's low education rates and unemployment and limited opportunities. Her ministry in this neighborhood is founded on presence. She's moved into the neighborhood. She uh, has a large ministry with, uh, when I visited with her, Bob Lamb and I several, about a year ago now, I guess, uh, she is very involved in taking kids to school, picking kids up, uh, helping kids with track practice. She's had one young man who has been just a track star that she has helped facilitate him having what he needs to participate in track, picking him up from track. And that is just one of many individuals uh, that she touches there in this part of Shelby. But she also coordinates and facilitates kids getting to Sunday worship, to Wednesday night activities, to youth choir, to passport camps, retreats, mission trips. And she ensures that these people, that these young people have what they need to participate, whether it's an item or whether it's financial means. But in addition to church activities, she takes kids to allow them to have these experiences as they grow up, but takes them to the ocean. She takes them hiking in the mountains. She takes them places that otherwise they would not be able to experience. And your gifts allow her to do what she does. She also reaches out to adults in the community through prayer breakfast and through other means. And with the help of ministry partners, she's able to do some home improvements as well in in this community of Shelby. 
One of the recent things that she and, and that many that know this are very proud of is she was able to start a jewelry business with many of the kids that she ministers to. And so they were able to go to different uh, events at churches and otherwise and sell some of the jewelry that the kids have made. And many of the kids will save this. I know of one who bought some new sneakers and some new clothes as a result of the money that he made making jewelry. And many of you have heard Cecilia share that story. But tomorrow at Aldersgate United Methodist, some of you have already signed up. Uh, we are going to work with some disadvantaged uh, children in grades first through sixth grade and help them with after-school tutoring. And if you are interested in that but have not signed up, please speak with me or, um, well, I guess speak with me because I don't know who all's going. So, uh, but that is tomorrow evening and I think the times are in your bulletin. I want to mention some other friends of mine, uh, Matt and Michelle Norman, and that's their children. They're on the top left of the screen. And uh, Michelle and I went through Gardner-Webb together. She and her husband, Matt, are now missionaries in Barcelona, Spain. They are ministering among those in the Catalonia community of Barcelona. Many of you know on the news recently, if you keep up with the news, that they voted to secede uh, their, uh, I guess, their membership or, uh, in, in Spain, and there's still ongoing debate and conversation about how that will play out, if it will play out. But they're ministering among these in Barcelona. Many come to the city in Barcelona because of uh, maybe a refugee status or immigration. And so people are coming from all over Africa and the Middle East to Barcelona. And they are also have a ministry of presence there as well. They are ministering alongside uh, local pastors as well. They haven't started a new church that I'm aware of, but they're, they're ministering alongside local pastors that are there in Barcelona and to the people and the various needs uh, that, that, that are there. Um, Span or excuse me, Spain is also one of the world's most secular countries. According to a 2015 Gallup poll, it ranks fifth in the world in its percentage of self-identified atheists. The region of Spain where the Normans serve in Catalonia is less than 1% Protestant and most of the population is two to three generations removed from the church. Pray for the Normans. Pray for Cecilia Beck. Pray also for Don and Janet Pittman. We have uh, been able to, many of you have known Don and Janet for years, and we've be recently been able to connect and form even stronger friendships with them. Their daughter, Rebecca, is here this morning and has been attending Bowling Springs now for uh, several weeks. But uh, I corresponded, they just recently went back to Turkey. They are CBF field personnel there in Turkey, and I believe Rebecca graduated, was born and raised, and, and still calls it home, I believe, and hopes to go back at Christmas, if I'm, if I'm correct with that. But uh, I sent Don and Janet a, a, an email this week, and they just went back. They were asking me to pray because of the visas. Uh, the United States and Turkey are not on great relations right now in relationship to visas, and so please pray for them that they will get their permanent visa. But in an email that I sent to them this week, they responded with this brief update. They said, we've been back in Turkey now for two weeks. And by the way, Don and Janet are there on the bottom right, as you see there with Rebecca as well. And brother Josh, who's not pictured, am I getting that right? Okay. And so they're on the bottom right. But she says, we've been back in Turkey for two weeks now. And much of, much of that time has been spent meeting with people and catching up and working on our permanent resident visas. It was a challenge getting back into the country as Turkey and the U.S. are not issuing visas to each other. Please pray that we can get our resident permits renewed by December the 20th. That's the expiration date of our current visas. For years, we have been praying for national families to come and to be a part of our church. We have seen God answer that prayer over the past two years. Because they are young, because they are young couples who have no Christian background, Janet organized a marriage seminar that was held on Friday and Saturday. There were about 40 participants in this, and it was very a basic seminar on what the Bible says about marriage. Several couples where only one person was a believer attended. We had great opportunity to share with the unbelieving spouse in an informal setting. Don goes on to write, one man told Janet that his idea of a marriage was so different than that taught over the weekend. He grew up in the traditional Middle Eastern family where girls and women are considered to be things and property. As he is now a believer in Isa, which is the name, Turkish name for Jesus, he realized that he has to change the way he treats his wife. The refugee work continues and was carried out in our absence by our Turkish team. Turkish lessons, gardening, and chicken production continue. Work in the church continues with Bible studies, preaching, and getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And he concludes, we will soon begin working with two couples on leadership development for church leaders. I was pleased last night when one young man asked me to help him know how to use his spiritual gifting in the church. Thank you for asking how things were going, Don. 
They were able to do what they do in Turkey because of churches like Boiling Springs Baptist and churches all over the U.S. who give to the work of missions. Some other names, these names are from International Mission Board. Some of you may know the name Bert and Jack Yates. And I, I think I have their picture in the top right, yes, of the screen. Uh, Bert and Jack Yates are from Eastern North Carolina. In 1978, they did what some of you may know or some of you have done before, is go on a short-term mission trip. But in 1978, Jack and Bert Yates arrived in Kenya, Africa to work for one year, that's a little longer maybe than what we go for, but work for one year with the International Mission Board. The short visit is still ongoing at this hour as they continue to live and serve among the sub-Saharan African peoples. Jack is principal of the Kenya Baptist Theological College and Bert has history, uh, his wife at Chowan University, a Baptist college here in the eastern part of North Carolina that has many similarities to Garden-Webb University. Other names who once served as missionaries with the IMB are names that many of you would recognize. Some would recognize the names Jack and Kathy Olis, retired who live in Black Mountain, who spent many years in India and Thailand. Georgia and P.A. Klein, I don't think Georgia is able to be here this morning, but who served years in Thailand. Tony Tench and his wife, pastor at First Baptist Shelby, first came off the mission field to First Baptist Shelby as mission pastors. And now Tony is the pastor of First Baptist Shelby. He spent many years, he and his wife, in Malawi, Africa. Jack and Ruth Partain, names that are synonymous with Boiling Springs Baptist Church, spent many years in Kenya, Ruth told me this morning, 18 years in Kenya and Tanzania and work in the seminary. Many of you recognize the name Filda, excuse me, tried to combine their names, Phil and Wilda, not Filda. <laughs> Phil and Wilda Perrin, uh, who lived overseas at times for years and have taken over the years numerous short-term mission trips uh, to teach music and to help and assist in sharing the gospel in other ways. I share all these names with you to remind you, to remind us as a congregation, the key responsibility and the goal for all missionaries is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we do this in two ways. If you notice in your um, bulletin this morning, I didn't quite have a sermon title earlier in the week when I was working on the sermon, but I think if I had to give it one now, I would just simply call it in word and in deed. But the missionaries are called to share the love of Christ both in word and in deed. In Romans, 10 verses 9 through 17, the scripture uh, goes on to talk about um, how if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And it goes on down into uh, verse 13 of Romans 10, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Missionaries are called to share the love and the message of Jesus Christ with their words, with their words. We just recently talked in October 31st about the Reformation, and the message there was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We can go and, good, go and do good things for people, but the message of Jesus Christ must be spoken and spoken boldly and clearly. Missionaries, including you and I, are called to share the word, excuse me, to share the love of Christ both in word and in deed. Practical demonstrations of the love of Christ. Christ both taught and demonstrated acts of love and compassion through miracles and again other acts of compassion. We see that with our Lord and Savior. Missionaries could just come in and preach and teach Jesus. I wouldn't recommend that, but they can and some do. But at the same time, their words combined with their actions can have eternal ramifications for all to whom they minister. Missionaries throughout history have been responsible for setting up uh, schools and seminaries. They've been, uh, they can be given credit for setting up orphanages and um, hospitals and many things that have helped benefit many countries in our world today. And now I want to transition. Remember that difficult passage of scripture that I read earlier, it wasn't that, wasn't that heartwarming after spending time with, together, loving with family and friends and, and eating more than we should have. But it, it uh, had, had a little bit of an uncomfortable message. There's nothing like a, a, a good sermon on the judgment of God after Thanksgiving and preparing um, for Christmas. 
But upon a quick look at this summary of our passage today, one could conclude that salvation and ultimately our final judgment will be based solely on our response to the poor. One could conclude that if we just look at this passage of Scripture. After all, Scripture says that those who have fed the hungry, given drink to the thirsty, housed the stranger, clothed the naked, visited the sick, the passage we read said this morning. Another way to look at the story is that it is presented in the context that these works demonstrate our faith. By looking at isolated texts in the scripture and not the whole scripture, one could find support of salvation through works. We know the story of the Good Samaritan and about loving your neighbor. We know of James 1.27 that says, pure and undefiled religion before God and our Father is to care for orphans and for widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And we could go with many other scriptures that well that speak of and that give us the illusion if we only look at those scriptures of salvation through works. In contrast, we know that faith plays a significant role or the role in our salvation. Romans 6.23, Paul reminds us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, nothing that we did to deserve it, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We have Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that remind us that it's by grace you have been saved through faith not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result of works. We have to look at the whole of scripture. And my conclusion based on the scriptures that our works should demonstrate our faith. Matthew 7, 20, Christ says that we will know them by their fruits. What fruit do you, and I, do you and I have coming forth from our life that gives others the indication of what we believe, that we know the message, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ? Can they see that fruit evidenced in our lives? If we know Christ, there should be acts of love and compassion that simply flow out of who we are, and we simply should not be able to help ourselves but to show acts of love and be involved in acts of love and compassion to others. I want to speak very quickly about a word that's in this difficult passage this morning. It speaks of, well, there's two interpretations when it, when it talks about the least of these. One of the most popular is that, that, that the least is speaking of everyone, and it very well could be speaking of everyone. But I would make the, the case this morning that there is good evidence that it speaks of the body of Christ. If you remember back in the in our SV translation, back in verse 40 of our text, it says, the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, the NRSV says, who are members of my family. Your translation and others may say, brothers, that you did it to me. And the reason I point this out is there's something about the witness of the church when uh, we apply the words of Jesus in John 13, 35, that says, by this, all men will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. I think any of us in this room, if we knew that someone in this um, place within our church family was without food, we would take them food. If we knew they needed transportation, we would see that they get a ride to the doctor or wherever they need to go. There's something about the testimony of the church loving on one another and caring for one another that reaches people unlike anything else. We see in Acts when the church was, early church was formed and the great need that was there, it was talking about those within the body of Christ that were being cared for and that were being ministered to. People were selling what they have to give to others who did not have. And so we see there a challenge for each of us to care for the body of Christ. So let's ask the question, what does this passage teach us? What does this difficult passage teach us? It can teach us that we have a responsibility for compassion and that we will give an account for our treatment of the oppressed. That we will one day give an account for how we did respond or did not respond to the least of these. And with that, I would say that what humans do or do not do matters to God. What we do as the body of believers and what we do not do matters to God. The New Testament writers cannot imagine a person following Jesus Christ personally without this love being evident in his or her life. The point here is that we need to change course and live compassionately as part of discipleship to Jesus. 
This text was a wake-up call for Keith McKinney this week, and I hope that it is for many of you this morning as well. A person cannot be a follower of Jesus and be void of compassion, which is at the heart of the gospel. This passage does not seek our comfort. Its message is very uncomfortable to hear. And when it comes to the judgmental piece of this passage, either judgment is a part of the Christian preaching or no one even needs to hear good news. Questions to consider as we close. What reminders are there in your life that life doesn't last forever? What reminders are there in your life that life doesn't last forever? This passage reminds us that the time for repentance and to be converted is over. The time to care for the poor on one's doorstep is past and judgment has arrived. What is it the old country preacher used to say, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet? I think he used to say something like that. Life doesn't last forever and the opportunities for service to the least of these are all around us. To the church and to the world at large. We are not lacking for opportunities to serve and to care for and to love and to show acts of compassion to the least of these. They are certainly all around us. What people do you come across in your daily life that you see but that you don't really see? Are you with me? We see people every day and and a lot of times our minds are so consumed on our own needs and our own world and, 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 and fulfilling our own responsibilities that we often miss the needs of those around us and we simply don't really see those whom we see each day. Another question is what opportunities does the kingdom of God offer you for seeing and valuing others? The closer that we become to Christ and the more that we're growing in our relationship with him, the more we begin to see opportunities for love and compassion to the least of these. Earlier, I mentioned Ephesians 2, about we are not saved by works, but grace through faith. And I want to read that passage again as I conclude. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Don't think for a second that you can earn salvation. Verse 9, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. But listen to verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, but yet we have been called to serve. We have been called to show acts of love and compassion, and we have been called to bear fruit. We are called to share Christ in word and in deed, just like these whose names we have mentioned this morning, both here in Shelby and in Spain and in Africa and in Turkey. Knowing that we are called to share in this same way, how are you and I doing in sharing Christ in word and in deed? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Lord, you don't just call some to serve you in difficult cities, both here in our own communities and around the world. But Father, you call each of us as believers in Jesus Christ to be on mission Christians. Father, we confess that we've fallen short many a day, opportunities that we've missed because we've been so consumed with our own lives and our own world. And Father, for that, we ask your forgiveness this morning. Father, give us eyes to see how we can share your love and the good news that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, both in word and through deeds, through acts of love and compassion. Lead us and guide us in all things, Father, and challenge us as we move throughout this Christmas season to really see and to begin to understand and build relationships with those whom we come in contact with. Help us to identify those who have needs, and Father, lead us in ways that we can respond. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today, and as we've been talking a lot about sharing our faith in word and in deed, but maybe that faith is not yet within you to share, and maybe today God is calling you to make all things new, and if that's the case, I would love to talk with you and pray with you at this time as we, have, uh, as we sing and have a time of invitation. If God is leading you to become a member of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, and we can partner together in sharing Christ in word and in deed, I invite you to come as we stand and sing together.
You may be seated for a moment. There's two things that I want to mention. One, I deeply regret during the sermon, Bonnie Dowdy, I am, I apologize. Bonnie served how many years in South Africa? 17 and a half? And um, is, is back with us here at Bowling Springs, but her heart I know is still in South Africa and uh, we need to continue. And Bonnie, if she could say, I'm sure would ask you to pray for rain. Uh, for South Africa. Uh, but Bonnie, we love you and, and grateful for her service there in South Africa, teaching in the seminary there in Cape Town. And Bonnie, I am sorry that I failed to mention that. Let us go forth in word and in deed. Mm-hmm.